What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the great folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week nine of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2018-2019 NFL regular season and postseason, and uh, interesting week last week, interesting. The most positive thing I would say is that, look, best straight up mark all season, 11 and 3, so 11 correct in 14 games. We've gone 11 and 4, haven't gone 11 and 3 yet, so that's the best straight up mark of the season, hitting our stride just as the second half kicks off. 11 and 3 has a 76 and 43 with just the two pushes, or the two ties rather, not pushes, but ties, against the spread. We broke even, 7-7 seven and seven last week, 56-62-3 against the spread. Over under, almost broke even, but we had a push. So we were 6-7-1 and one on the over-unders, of course, had the one push. That has us 51-69 and 69 with just that one push over-under this season. As they often are, the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks were a reflection of how the rest of the week went. Straight up, 4-0. Got all four of them. Chicago beat the Jets 24-10. Kansas City beat the Broncos 30-23. The Patriots whooped the Bills last night 25-6. And Pittsburgh beat Cleveland, nearly doubled them up 33-18. Cleveland's a bit of an interesting case, and we'll talk about that when we get to their game. So we were straight up, 4-0. Against the spread, Broke even. We were 2-2. Two two. Told you to take Chicago minus 7. That worked out. Told you to take Kansas City minus 10. That did not work out. They only won by the touchdown. Told you to take the Patriots minus the 13.5. They win the game by 19. And told you to take Cleveland to cover plus 8. And uh, they didn't. And in the totals, we were 2-1-1. One, and one, And that's where our one push this week is came from it was actually in the platinum pick the pittsburgh and cleveland game i had you under 51 points and it finished with exactly 51 told you to go over 46 in chicago new york jets they only get to 34 but i did tell you to stay under 55 points in kc denver they only get to 53 and stay under 44 in the monday night football game last night with new england and buffalo and they only get to 31 Taking a look at the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools for week eight and overall on the season, folks, it's Gavin O'Connor's world. We're all just living in it. First of all, in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I sit in 15th place out of 43, certainly lower than where I'd like to be, but I feel like we're starting to cook with gas and we're trending in the right direction. I just bring in some really good people making really good picks. That's the excuse I'm going to use. 655 out of 978 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 67%. It's only a few percentage points off of where I would like to be, but that still only has me in 15th place. Pulled in 93 of 105 possible confidence points in week 8. That's a clip of 89%. Typically would be up there with the folks that are, you know, contending to win the week. But Gavin O'Connor, like I said off the top, Gavin went unbeaten this week. 14-0, perfect week for Gavin. 105 out of 105 possible confidence points. I don't know how good you are at math, but that's a clip of 100%. And I mean, it wasn't just Gavin. We had seven people in the pool this week that had at least 100 out of 105 possible confidence points or better. That's pretty damn incredible. 
Now, Teddy Ted does remain the overall leader in that pool, 82 and 37 with the two ties this season, 708 out of 978 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 72%, and that is, again, two percentage points better than where, you know, where this pace typically would be. Actually, Teddy Ted doesn't remain the overall leader. Teddy Ted becomes the overall leader. He knocks Billy B off of the throne from last week. In the NFL YouTube prognosticators pick and pool, which isn't against the spread pick and pool, I currently sit in 11th place out of 51 people making picks, 54 correct against the spread picks out of the 121 games played so far. That's only a 45% clip, but a lot of people have struggled against the spread this season. Week 8, I broke even, 7 of the 14 games correct according to Yahoo's lines, that is a 50% clip. Gavin O'Connor wins week eight in that pool as well. Went 10 and four against the spread this week. 71% clip for the week. And that is three weeks in a row that Gavin has won the against the spread pool. That week was also good enough to knock J3 out of the overall lead. Gavin O'Connor takes the overall lead in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Pick'em Pool. 63 of 121 games picked correctly against the spread, according to Yahoo's lines. That's a clip of 52%. So shout out to Teddy Ted for taking over the overall lead in my pool. But as far as the rest of it goes, man, shout out to Gavin. What a week. Let's take a peek into Fantasy Corner and see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week eight action. I guess my champagne week, uh, if you will. Only went four and four across the eight teams. So, you know, treaded water. We had some successes. We had some failures. Couple of close games. One went my way. One, unfortunately, did not. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, I picked up the win last week over Max Maniacs. That has me six and two, and I have six consecutive wins. I'm now up in, if not first, I think second place. I'm certainly up there in the top three. I'm pretty comfortable that I've clinched a playoff spot. I figure five wins will probably get it because we got eight teams out of 12 that make the playoffs. So I think five wins gets it, so I'm pretty sure I'm in. I certainly don't want to stop now. Got a week nine matchup coming up against Tim Brashear, Tim's crazy team. You can find Tim on the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. It's a projected win for me right now, but obviously still have some work to do. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I lost last week to Gavin. God damn it, Gavin. That loss is just my second loss on the season. I was in first place in that league. I am no longer in first place in that league. I dropped down to six and two. I got a week nine matchup coming up against Ryan C. And that is a projected loss as well. I think he's a favorite by something like 10 to 15 points. So I'm really the underdog in that matchup. I've won a couple of underdog matchups this season. Let's see if I can do it again. So Max Maniacs and Gavin, thank you for the matchups in week eight. And... Tim Brashear and Ryan C. Let's do the damn thing in week nine. And as always, I'll take the opportunity at this point in the show to point out that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the description of the file on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts, you are going to find all of my results from week eight, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week nine in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators Pick'em Pools, and it is never too late to do that. Get shouted out on the show. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube prognosticators 
Facebook page. We talk football all week long. It's a fun little community. And of course, you're going to find information on our good friends at NerdTees. NerdTees.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST and it's going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get the free shipping in Canada over 50 bucks. You're going to get the great conversion on the US dollar. Two clicks of a button. All of a sudden, everything's in US prices. And today's blend is watermelon and it is probably one of my top three favorite blends cold and wet and dreary day like we have today in nova scotia it just helps you feel warm again watermelon is an oolong based tea it smells incredible it's got a great flavor works great hot or cold so i mean you can rock this as an iced tea even in the summer Got the just amount of right amount of sweetness, and it's it's an incredible blend. Nerdtees.ca. Use that promo code BWFinest. Save yourself 15% at checkout. Free shipping in Canada on any order over 50 bucks. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can get it on nerdtees.ca. Short week in the NFL this week, just a baker's dozen worth of games, 13 games on the slate, uh, a couple of real marquee offensive matchups that are going to take place in both New Orleans and New England. Let's waste no more time and let's get to it. In what will certainly not be a marquee offensive matchup, we're going to kick things off in San Francisco. The 49ers are going to play host to the now Amari Cooperless Oakland Raiders. These two teams have combined to lose the last nine times that they have stepped onto a football field. The 49ers, six consecutive losses. They're sitting at one and seven. They're in the basement of a division that includes the Arizona Cardinals, and that is inexcusable. Meanwhile, the Raiders, sporting one of the worst offenses in the AFC, traded their biggest playmaker. So that just goes to show how their season's going. Both of these teams have had two cracks apiece at an AFC or NFC opponent, a non-conference opponent. They've come up empty both times. Look, it's a far stretch to call either one of these offenses uh, dynamic or dangerous, but I do think the points are going to come in this game, and that is mostly because both of these defenses are hot garbage. San Francisco, at the very least, has done a somewhat adequate job of preventing teams from moving the ball on the ground. They're kind of middle of the pack in terms of total defense, and that's really because the run defense has not been terrible. They are giving up over 100 yards a game, but they're kind, they're just barely inside the top half of the league in terms of their total run defense. That is the only bright spot for either of these teams who currently rank number 28 and number 31 out of 32 teams in terms of scoring defense. So the points that I do expect to show up in this game will probably show up purely by accident. I kind of like the Raiders here, even though they just traded away their best player. Look, they got a first round pick for him, which was a pretty darn good return. And at least they traded him out of the AFC like they did with Khalil Mack. Now that kind of goes against a lot of the numbers. I think from a total offense perspective, San Francisco's offense is probably a little bit better. From a total defense perspective, San Francisco's defense is probably a little bit better. Oakland has not won on the road. The Niners, they've only won one game this year, but at the very least they did win that game at home. So why in the world am I taking the Raiders? Don't, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. Maybe it's a gut play, maybe it's a reaction to the spread, I don't know, but I just kind of feel like Oakland somehow is going to wind up winning this football game. So clearly with a, a strong lack of confidence, I'm going to say I'm going to go with the Raiders this week in San Francisco to beat the 49ers. 
And again, maybe, like I said, it's a reaction to the line. Because on the line, the Niners are favored by three points at home. And no, like that's, this game should be a pick em or a half point or maybe a point. These are two incredibly comparable football teams, even without Amari Cooper on Oakland's side. I think this line's an overreaction to the Cooper trade. I get that it's not a great spot, but we like Oakland to win. So I'm going to go Oakland plus three. Total in the game, 46.5 points. I can't trust either one of these defenses to keep a game under 50. So we're going to go over on this one, over 46.5 points in Oakland, San Francisco. Let's go to Buffalo now, where the Bills on the short week, having played last night on Monday Night Football and getting embarrassed by a division opponent, have to welcome in the Chicago Bears. I shouldn't say embarrassed. They didn't get embarrassed. That was a really competitive game until, like, the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, the Patriots were like, why is this game close? This isn't fun anymore. And they just, they put up 13 points in the fourth quarter, including a pick six, and that was pretty much the end of it. But maybe it just always feels that way when you're playing the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo has scored 87 points in eight games. This offense is, like, anemic isn't even the word. There needs to be, and maybe there is somewhere in medicine or something, a word for, like, hyper, super, duper, incredibly anemic. Because, like, that's what the Bills' offense is. When you are trusting an offense to either Derek Anderson, and it's nothing against Derek Anderson, but he's 35. Nothing against Derek Anderson, but when you're trusting it to either Derek Anderson or the human interception machine, it's one of those what-do-you-expect moments. Bills are losers of three straight games, and yeah, they can play some defense, although the scoring defense leaves a little something to be desired, giving up 25 points a game. They can play some defense, especially in the secondary, but you know who else can play some defense? Uh, the Chicago Bears. And that's not just from a total defense perspective, that is from a scoring defense perspective. The Bears giving up just over 20 points a game, which is top 10 in the league. And in terms of the total offense, yards per game, like it's not even really competitive. They're well inside the top 10 as well. Now look, so is Buffalo. Buffalo, in fact, is a half yard per game better than Chicago is. But the scoring defenses are not comparable. It's about five points difference. Plus, you have a Chicago team that, while they're not setting the world on fire offensively, they are top 10 total offense, and they're scoring points, too. Meanwhile, Buffalo very much is not. To quote the great Paul Heyman, this is not a prediction, this is a spoiler. Here's exactly how this game is going to go. The Chicago Bears, who have a top three run defense, are going to force the Buffalo Bills to have to air the ball out to try to gain yards. When they do that, they have shit quarterbacks. So when they do that, Chicago's going to have two or three interceptions, bunch of turnovers. Buffalo's barely going to score any points in this game. Chicago's going to win this thing in a walk. Take the Chicago Bears on the road in Buffalo, especially with the Bills coming off of a short week, quote unquote. Take Chicago to beat Buffalo. Now this line just opened up on, I believe it was bet online. And it opened up as Chicago minus eight and a half. Uh, take that before it's double digits because before kickoff, it's going to be double digits. Basically, fade the Buffalo Bills until Josh Allen comes back. And it's not that Josh Allen is this huge difference maker, but Josh Allen is better than Derek Anderson. Josh Allen is better than Nathan Peterman. Josh Allen is better than anybody else the Bills have in their quarterback room right now. So until Josh Allen comes back, don't take the Bills. 
Total in the game is 37 and a half points. I kind of have it capped right around that, mostly because of the points that I think Chicago's going to score. But I think I'm going to stick under on it. I think it's going to be a defensive matchup. You're talking about two top 10 total defenses. So yardage will be at a premium. I think I'm going to stick under on that one, even though the number is so low. Let's go under 37 and a half points in Chicago Buffalo. Let's go to Cleveland now, which not a lot of people are asking to do where the Browns are going to play host to the Kansas City Chiefs. What a perfect week to fire your head coach and offensive coordinator. <laughs> so this is going to be another one of those instances where it's just like fade this team for a few weeks until they try to start getting things figured out. The only thing Cleveland can hang their hat on right now is their defense, especially at home, is not atrocious, but they're playing one of the best offenses in football. And they're coming off of having a coaching change. So I imagine this is going to be an absolute tire fire of a football game. Take the Chiefs on the road in Cleveland. I don't have to explain that anymore, do I? Take the Chiefs on the road. Chiefs are currently also favored by 8.5 points against the spread at Cleveland. I contemplated a hedge in this one for like 1.4 seconds before I realized, oh wait, not only is Kansas City winning the vast majority of their games, they're also beating Vegas. Like, they're covering these numbers. The Chiefs are 4-0 against the spread on the road. I expected that number to be double digits. It's not. Grab it before it is. Same deal with Chicago and Buffalo. Kansas City minus the eight and a half. Total in the game is 51 and a half points. I mean, I have to go over on it. Kansas City might top 50 on their own here with how much they're going to possess the ball off of an offense that does not have its coordinator nor its head coach nor its play caller. So like, what are they going to do this week? I don't think it's going to be much of anything. Boy, that Chiefs defense is going to look great this week. So take the over, mostly because of Kansas City, over 51 and a half points in KC Cleveland. Now that those are out of the way, let's go to a competitive football game. Let's go to Washington now, where the Redskins are going to play host to the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons coming into this game off of their bye. The Skins are far and away the hottest team in the NFC East. They're 5-2. They lead the division. They're on a three-game winning streak. They're playing really good football right now, and a lot of it has to do with their defense. Their margin of victory is only like it's less than two points a game, but it's the defense that's been keeping opponents down, putting the skins in situations that they can win some of these games. Falcons are three and four, and they're kind of on the opposite side of that coin. Three and four, they're three games back in the division right now. The defense has not been playing very well. 212 points against in seven games. That's over 30 points a game. Obviously, the built-in reasoning for that, which is look at all the injuries they've had on defense. It's also clear that this offense is simply not the same without Devonta Freeman. That is no criticism of Tevin Coleman. I think he's been fine, but without Devonta Freeman, this is an entirely different team. Obviously, Keanu Neal is not coming back this season. The Falcons are still a week away from getting Deion Jones. Uh, Ricardo Allen, I don't think, is coming back this season. And the injury woes kind of continued for the Falcons as well. Sanat on the defensive line questionable at best probably closer to doubtful neck injuries you don't tend to screw around with maybe the Falcons might get Matt Bryant back this week I think he's still got the questionable tag on him but like again it, it's the kicker it makes a difference obviously it certainly makes a difference in more team morale but the kicker is not the reason that Atlanta's struggling speaking of injuries hey the Redskins have some too 
especially in the secondary. Alexander at quarterback's got a concussion. Quentin Dunbar at cornerback has a shin injury, or like a kind of a, got a nerve issue in his shin. He's day-to-day, so he might play. But Alexander probably not going to clear concussion protocol in enough time. And then you're talking from a couple of weeks ago, uh, what are we talking We're talking about Apke at safety, Holsey at cornerback. He's still, like, he's, he's on the IR side of, don't know whether he's going to be available or not. There's going to be room in that Redskins secondary for Matt Ryan to throw the football. I'm going to be honest here, though. I am leaning towards the Redskins in this game, and it's simply because I haven't seen Atlanta do it on the road yet. It's good for them, obviously, that they're coming in off their bye. They've given their players a chance to rest. That That's good for them. That, that obviously means good things. I just haven't seen them do it on the road yet. Washington are 5-1 and one against NFC teams this season. I think it's just a little too much for me to go against them. So I think i got to take Washington in this one. Let's take the Redskins at home to beat the Falcons. On the line, Skins are only favored by two as a reflection of how close this matchup actually is. And this is legit a game that could go really go either way. We like Washington to win. It's a small price to pay. Let's take the Redskins minus two at home against Atlanta. Total in the game is 47.5 points. I have this capped at a low 50. It's comfortable enough for me to say we're going to take the over. Let's go over 47.5 points in Washington, Atlanta. AFC North Division game time, and these are always special. The Baltimore Ravens at home taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baltimore has now laid an egg in back-to-back weeks. They're down to 4-4. Four and four. They've lost two straight games. They've lost two games in the division so far this season. It's going to be a tough road to hoe for the Baltimore Ravens, even though this division is so close. I'm not going to sit here and say Baltimore's defense got exposed by Cam Newton and the Panthers, but I certainly didn't see 36 points against coming. I think this Ravens defense is still elite. I think this offense is still underrated, but you're looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Steelers have figured it out. They've turned a corner. Steelers have won three consecutive games. They're four and one in their last five. Yeah, they stumbled out of the gate, but we're talking about a team that's played seven games. Average margin of victory so far this season, about four and a half to five points in favor of the Steelers. Now look, Baltimore's margin of victory has been really, really good too, but I just feel like Pittsburgh's turned a corner here. I got criticized in the comments last week by one blind Canadian werecat that uh, he's he's a fellow prog, so I can I can I can needle a little bit. But I kind of got criticized in the comments last week for not giving Baltimore their due. And again, I feel like I've given them a, a, a ton of credit. I feel like I've talked about them a lot on this show as being like, "Wow, that offense has really impressed me. Wow, that defense looks dominant." Neither one of those things were true last week. Now, granted, you get to play the game at home, which is great, but now you got to play a division opponent who is red hot right now. They're the hottest team in that division. You've already lost two games against division opponents this year. I know it's one of those things where it's like you can't afford to lose a third one already so early, but man, I, I I just feel Steelers in this one. Plus, you got to believe the Steelers have revenge on their mind. Remember, back early in the season, I think it might have even been week one, the game in Pittsburgh, Baltimore in Pittsburgh, and they beat Pittsburgh by two possessions. You know Pittsburgh wants to give that right back to them. I think they're going to this week. I'm taking the Steelers on the road in Baltimore to beat the Ravens. Uh, On the line, Ravens are three-point favorites at home, which means Steelers, obviously, three-point dogs. 
We like Pittsburgh to win. Let's take Pittsburgh plus three. Even if you don't like Pittsburgh to win, you might want to hedge on a very close game that might end on a last second field goal. You might want to think about that. Pittsburgh plus three looks pretty nice to me one way or the other. Total in the game is 47 points. Uh, I personally have this capped a little bit higher than this, couple points higher. The last 10 games these teams have played head-to-head, if you would have set the total at 47, they'd be 3-6-1 and one on the over-under. So six times it would have gone under 47 and another one would have pushed. I'm kind of going against what most of the numbers say. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of points here. I got to see the Ravens defense come together and play better than they did last week. So I got to see that happen. Let's take the over in this one. We're going to go over 47 points in Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Let's go to Denver now where the Broncos are going to be at home playing host to the Houston Texans. Now the Texans come into this game off the long week because they played on Thursday night. But they are also suffering, obviously, from the season-ending injury to Will Fuller, who was on like five of my fantasy teams, and just when he was starting to break out, ah, lose him for the season. Broncos are playing even-money football at home. They're 2-2. Two and two. Texans are playing even-money football on the road. They're also 2-2. Two and two. But one thing that the Texans are that the Broncos are not are winners of five straight games. Broncos are 3-5, and five, so they're just under 500, but they've really struggled against AFC opponents. They've only won one game of the five that they've played against a team in the AFC. Denver kept up a competitive game on the road in Kansas City last week. It was only seven points. Most people thought Kansas City was going to blow them out. That was a really tight game, and that was a good performance. But again, division opponent, you always get up for those just a little bit more. Meanwhile, Houston comfortably handled a Miami Dolphins team that while their offense is not as good as Denver's, Denver certainly scoring more points, definitely moving the ball much better, Houston won that game very comfortably. Granted, it was in Houston. Obviously, the Will Fuller injury means a lot here. Like I said, he was just starting to turn the corner. It was great to be able to have another guy you could roll out on the opposite side of DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe take some of those double teams away from Hopkins. Not having that, I do expect DeAndre Hopkins to get doubled a lot in this football game. So if that happens, if you can shut him down, Denver's might have a good shot at winning this game. But this is actually the game that I am the furthest apart from Vegas on. And it's another one that I kind of feel like Vegas might be overreacting to that injury a little bit. Especially given that Houston's got the long week to figure this out. The Houston Texans are the better football team and I'm going to take them. Even though the game's in Denver, I'm going to take Houston in Denver to beat the Broncos. Like I was saying... On the line, Denver, two and a half point favorite at home. Houston, two and a half point dog. We like Houston to win. So we're going to go Houston plus the two and a half. Total in the game is 46. I got it capped right around this number, but I can see Houston's offense taking a bit more maybe of a step back without Will Fuller, of course. Now the two teams are a combined six, nine, and one on the over-under this season, so it's a slight lean towards the under. 75% of covers experts are also on the under in this game, so I think I'll stick with the experts. Let's go under 46 points in Houston, Denver. You'll note I've only taken one home team so far. Eventually this is really going to bite me in the ass. Let's go to Seattle now where the Seahawks are going to play host to the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers coming into this game off of their bye. 
Chargers winners of four straight games. They are really putting the heat on the Chiefs in that division. Look, Kansas City, they're still two games up, but the Chargers are coming, man. Four straight wins, and they're five and two. Chargers have been getting the job done away from their own building. They've won two of their three games on the road, which is a good sign going into a tough building to play in. Seahawks, no slouches in their own right. That defense playing very, very well right now. Under 20 points a game allowed so far this season. They've won two consecutive games. Both of these teams have beaten a non-conference opponent so far this season. They're both 1-1. One and one. Seahawks, also, though, only one and one at home. They've played five road games so far. Seahawks, huge win last week in Detroit, doubled up the Lions 28 to 14. A really good performance on both sides of the ball for Seattle. A game like that really has to build your confidence and your momentum. A game like that at home, you understand it because it's Seattle. But to do that on the road and then to get to come home for just the third time this season, Seahawks got to be feeling good. And especially Pete Carroll, look at that working for your contract. The real difference between these two teams on the defensive side comes in the secondary. Seattle does a much better job of shutting down the opponent's pass game on defense than do the Chargers. Seattle just giving up 219 yards passing per game this season. Chargers at over 255, not exactly a good position for them to be in in the secondary. Run defenses, kind of similar. Both of them have sort of been struggling this year. On the offensive side here, though, the Chargers have a huge edge, not only in terms of the points they've been putting up, but the yardage they've been getting. And the vast majority of that, actually, they've played stronger on the offensive side. They've played stronger on the road than they have in their own building. This is another tight matchup, really, really tough game. It, it uh, Certainly, according to Vegas, this is only a point and a half on the spread. I oh, am I gonna take another friggin' road team? I, I kind of like the Chargers. I think I gotta see somebody shut the Chargers' offense down on the road before I can kind of pick against them. Because I, again, Seattle is in position to do that, but I don't know. I just, especially coming off the bye, they're gonna be well rested. I think this is gonna be arguably, maybe low key, the game of the week. I think I'm going to take the Chargers here on the road in Seattle to upset the Seahawks. On the line, like I said, Seahawks only favored by a point and a half at home as a reflection of how close this game is. Like the Chargers to win, let's take the Chargers plus the point and a half. Total in the game is 47 and a half points. And again, this is where I kind of skew to even where Seattle's defense is markedly better. It's the situation. It's Seattle at home and the Chargers on the road. In terms of how these offenses play, Seattle averaging 27 points a game in their home games. The Chargers averaging 30 points a game in their road games. I think this could be a mid-50 despite what the line is sitting at. So we're actually going to take over the 47.5 points in the Chargers-Seahawks. Speaking of points, all right, let's get to those two marquee offensive matchups this week. The first one is in New Orleans as the Saints are going to play host to the Los Angeles Rams. Saints with a big statement win last week in Minnesota, avenging that NFC Championship loss. Who knows, that could be an NFC Championship rematch. We've obviously still got a lot of football to play, but wouldn't that be incredible if we could get a rematch of that game, which was arguably the most entertaining game of the playoffs last year, Super Bowl included. Saints win that game by two possessions, 30-20. to 20. You turn around and you look at the Rams, and I'm going to raise my hand. The Rams beat my Packers. 
The Rams survived the Packers. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the next game, which includes the Packers. But look, the Rams did their job. They won that game. They're 8-0. The Rams survived that game. Now, despite the fact that the numbers actually look pretty good for that Rams defense, like they're top 10 in terms of total defense, they're top, uh, they're well inside the top 10 in terms of scoring defense, those numbers look really good, but we've seen the Rams have to win some shootouts this season, and I imagine that that's exactly what this game is going to be. Like that home game against the Vikings, that's a 38-31 game. Uh, they were in Seattle. They only won that game by two points. Both teams got up over 30 points. I, I don't know that I trust that defense, despite what the numbers tell me. Todd Gurley versus Alvin Kamara could very easily be the best running back matchup in the NFL right now. Maybe the best matchup that the NFL has to offer. While the Rams are no slouches in terms of the run defense, giving up just barely over 100 yards a game on the ground, the New Orleans Saints have the number one total run defense in the NFL this season, only giving up 74 yards per game. Now, the give back there is A, they're one of only five teams that are allowing more than 300 yards passing per game, and B, th you're still scoring points on them. I think it's entirely possible that the Green Bay Packers may have put the blueprint of how to beat the LA Rams right out there on Front Street. And the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton are capable enough that they can take that blueprint, improve upon it, and do it. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints at home to hand the Rams their first loss of the season. Saints beat the Rams. On the line, the Saints are favored by two points at home, so we're taking them to win. It's a small price to pay, so let's take the Saints minus two. Total in the game is 60 points, and that is incredible to me. I'm pretty sure it's the first 60-point total that we've seen this season. I could be wrong in saying that, but I think it is. So since 60, obviously, is a big number, I went back, I went through every single game this season to see, like, my God, 60's got to be ridiculous. I mean, how many games even get to 60 points? And the results were actually kind of interesting. We've played 121 football games in the NFL this season. 21 of them have gone 60 points or over. That's a clip of 17%. It seems small, but it's really not. 17% over 60 points total. Basically, what I'm saying is defenses should be ashamed of themselves. So then I went back and I thought, huh, I wonder how many of those games involved either the Saints or the Rams. And I did that math and it was five of them. Five of the 21 games involved one of these two teams. That's 24%. So it's almost one in every four of those 60-point games involved one of these two teams. It's two top three scoring offenses in the NFL. The defenses, again, I think the Rams' defense are not as good as the numbers are telling me. The Saints' defense hasn't been great from a scoring perspective this season. Let's take it. It seems ridiculous, but we're going to go over 60 points in the Rams and the Saints. 
And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week nine sees the New England Patriots playing host to the Green Bay Packers. Now the Patriots coming into this game off the short week, having just played last night on the road on Monday Night Football, but the Packers come into this game on back-to-back road games, having lost that two-point decision in Los Angeles against the Rams in week eight. So look, I'm going to get this out of the way right here. The Green Bay Packers lost to the Rams. Again, they're my Packers, they're my team. In fact, I'm going to reach over right here because I didn't have my hat on. I'm going to put my hat on while I say this. Very close game. Really put the Rams in jeopardy, which was awesome. And then they screwed themselves. (laughs) Like, there's no other way to say it. They screwed themselves on three critical plays. Mike McCarthy deciding not to challenge whether or not Sam Shields stepped on the goal line. If it's that close, look, it was the last, I think, two or three minutes of the first half. You only had the one timeout left. You're probably not going to use it with that much time left on the clock. Challenge it. Whatever. It's one one timeout. I realize challenges are important. I actually think he might have stepped on the line. And I think if you would have gotten real close up on that, I get the feeling that's a challenge you would have won. So that was mistake number one. Mistake number two is inside your own one-yard line, calling a run play. I realize if you call a pass play and you get called for holding or something like that, it's a safety anyway. But trying to run the ball, especially just like just just a halfback plunge up the middle, if you try to run that, you're also asking for a safety because you're asking to have what happened happen, which is you get tackled behind the line, boom, it's a safety, it's two points on the board, and you give up possession. Oh, and it's the Rams, so then they also put up a touchdown, eight points on the board directly from poor decision-making from the coach. So not challenging whether he stepped on the line, that was mistake number one, calling a run play rather than a pass play with Aaron friggin' Rodgers inside your one-yard line, that was mistake number two. Mistake number three, oh, Ty, oh, Timo, why? Why would you not just take the touchback? Why would you not just save time on the clock for Aaron goddamn Rodgers? Why would you not just eat that up? Just take it. They've given you a gift with the touchback. They've given you more time on the clock when you're trailing in a game. Why would you run the ball off of the goal line? Because when you do that... You run the risk, however remote, of that happening, which is you get hit, you fumble the ball, and the game is over. Why anyone would make the active decision to take the ball out of the hands of one of the best quarterbacks of this generation and try to do it all yourself by running up the middle? Apparently running up the middle was just the kryptonite of the Green Bay Packers in this game. Why would you make that decision? I raise my hand. The Green Bay Packers should have beaten the Rams last week. And I would say, I would put money on this, in fact. If you change any one of those three decisions, this is why football is such a game of inches. If you change any of those three decisions, Green Bay wins that football game. But you can't do that. And this is the point where I take my hat off. You can't live in the past. You can't change those decisions. They didn't win the football game. Now they got to go to Gillette and play the Patriots who have absolutely 
turned a corner. The Bills last night made the Patriots' defense look like the 85 Bears. They looked incredible in that football game. Obviously, the degree of competition is taking a bit of an uptick this week. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's at full power. You got Randall Cobb back. He looks like he's at full power. You've got the emergence of Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a really dangerous, I would say, slot receiver, third, fourth receiver on this team. I think this kid's going to be really good. Yet Aaron Jones running the football pretty well. 12 carries for 86 yards, found the end zone. And the Packers' defense, despite the fact that they did give up 29 points, the Packers' defense looked good in that football game. When you hold the Rams under 30, you've done something at least a little bit special. And I think the Packers' defense is as good now as it has been at any point in the last four or five years. The run defense still leaves something to be desired, but that secondary is top five in total defense. The really tough thing to do with back-to-back road games is win back-to-back road games. Maybe there's a reason that Green Bay lost last week. Maybe I'm just pathological. Maybe I'm just psychotic. But maybe there's a reason that they lost that game last week. Maybe the reason was to go into Gillette Stadium Just the second time ever that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady will play each other as starting quarterbacks. Maybe the reason was to go in and beat Brady in Gillette. Rodgers has beaten Brady once. That was in Lambeau. Totally different story, but he's done it. I think he does it twice. Oh, this goes against the numbers, but y'all knew what I was going to do the second I started talking about this game. I'm taking the Packers on the road in Gillette. It goes against my better judgment. It goes against the numbers, but I don't care. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I got the Packers with the upset of the week. Packers beat the Patriots. On the line, the Patriots are six and a half point favorites at home. We've talked obviously extensively about Aaron Rodgers as an underdog, especially a big underdog. Obviously, I like the Packers to win, so I'm taking the Packers plus six and a half. I think this is a game you hedge one way or the other. Even if the Packers lose, I think this is going to be just like the LA game. Going to be very, very close at the end of the game. Six and a half points, I think, is way too many. Hedge it one way or the other. Total in the game is 57 and a half points. It's a big total. I capped it somewhere right here around 57, 58, something like that. And two great offenses, two average defenses. So let's take the over on it. Let's go over the 57 and a half points. Let's expect a shootout in Green Bay, New England. All right, folks, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week nine in the NFL. We start at the bottom, as always, with the bronze pick, where I'm five and three straight up, four, three, and one against the spread, only two and six on the over-under. That sees the Miami Dolphins playing host to the New York Jets, an AFC East matchup, and it's two teams going, you know, going in opposite directions, at least in terms of their situations coming into this game. That being, Miami's coming in off the long week. They played on Thursday. They lost that game. The Jets are on back-to-back roadies. Jets lost last week as well. Both of these teams lost big. The game wasn't particularly competitive either way. What was it? The Jets lost by 14. The Dolphins failed to cover plus seven and a half. So, I mean, it was not a good game either way around for either one of these two teams. 
That said, one of these teams is 3-1 and one at home. That's the Miami Dolphins. Another one of these teams is 1-3 on the road. That's the New York Jets. One of these teams already has a win inside the division. That's the Miami Dolphins. One of these teams does not have a win inside the division. That's the New York Jets. Both of the teams are on two-game losing streaks, so it's not like one is really on fire and the other one is not. I just like the Dolphins this week. I think there's enough going in the Dolphins' favor, especially considering the game is at home. Whether it's Tannehill or whether it's Osweiler or whether it's whoever else could play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, I think the Dolphins get it done this week. So let's take Miami at home to beat the Jets. On the line, Dolphins are favored by three points at home. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. It is the full field goal, but that's fine. We're going to take Miami minus three. Total in the game is 45 points, and this is the one that I actually am the furthest apart on, I think, with Vegas. Like, I capped this game at a mid a mid 50, not a mid 40. So we're going to go over that total in a big bad way. Dolphins win straight up. We're going to hammer the Dolphins minus three against the spread. Over 45 points. That is the bronze pick. My silver pick rhymes six and two straight up, but only three and five, both against the spread and over under, sees the Minnesota Vikings at home playing host to the to the Detroit Lions. Again, with the NFC North division so tight, like Chicago's leading it right now, but that's only because they've got four wins in seven games, whereas the Vikings have four wins in eight. Both of these teams also coming off of losses last week. Minnesota losing, Detroit losing. Obviously, Detroit losing that, not an embarrassing game, but man, two full possessions to a team that doesn't travel very well in your own building, not exactly a good look. Minnesota lost, but I mean, it was against the Saints. You know, that happens. A lot of teams are losing to the Saints this year. Vikings defense is obviously not what anybody thought it was going to be this season. Like that defense needs to play better. It just plain needs to play better. And it kind of looked like Detroit maybe kind of had it figured out a little bit. And then they go out and they have that absolute stinker against the Seahawks last week. So I, I have my doubts. I have my reservations about whether they have it figured out. And I have my reservations about whether they can go into Minnesota and hang a loss on the Vikings. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. Let's go Minnesota at home to beat Detroit. On the line, Minnesota favored by five points at home. Originally, I kind of had this, but it was just a lean towards Minnesota minus five. I think that's too many points. Despite the fact that Detroit is under 500 away from their own building, they are 3-0 and against the spread on the road this season. Minnesota just 1-3 and at home. So I think I'm actually going to hedge there and we're going to go Detroit plus the 5 points. Total in the game is 50.5. I had this capped somewhere around a low 50, so it's a pretty good number. The two teams in their last 10 head-to-head matchups, obviously they play twice a year being in the same division. The last 10 head-to-head matchups, so the last five years worth of games. If you would have put the total in those games at 50.5, which is what it is right now, the over-under would be 2-8. and eight. So eight times out of the last 10, they would have gone under this total. Let's do that. Let's kind of lean that way. Let's expect a defensive battle in this one. We're going to go under 50 and a half. So like the Vikings at home to beat the Lions, we're going to hedge our bets. We're going to take Detroit plus five against the spread in a game that stays under 50 and a half points. That is your silver pick.
My gold pick, Ryan, a sparkling seven and one straight up, four and four against the spread, and five and three on the total. The only real positive note over under this season sees the Dallas Cowboys playing at home against the Tennessee Titans. Both of these teams come into this game off of their bye, so they should be well-rested. Dallas comes into this game with a shiny new toy at wide receiver in Amari Cooper. So not only has Cooper had the bye week to come in here and try to learn a little bit of the offense, but this also is a game that happens on Monday Night Football. So he has that little bit of extra time as well just to get himself acclimatized. That's not to say that I think he's going to have an incredible, impactful game immediately. But look, that was a really good trade for Dallas. Now look, in saying that, I realize they gave up their first round pick in order to do that. But look, Dallas is not out of this thing. They're two games back in the division. I get that. But they haven't lost a game at home yet. Of course, they haven't won a game on the road, but they haven't lost at home. And they've still got a shot here. Like Philly is not running away with things like you thought they were. Washington is certainly in there, but their offense is not very good. Their offense is pretty darn comparable with yours. Dallas absolutely sees a path where they could still win this division. And going out and getting a guy like Amari Cooper to be that impact player on offense, I think it was a savvy move. Titans are three and four. The wheels kind of feel like they've fallen off of this thing a little bit. The defense plays incredibly well. It's under 20 points a game, but the offense, it's the offense, man. They're like 15 points a game. They're one of the worst scoring offenses in the NFL right now. Their margin of victory right now is negative three, despite the fact that they're only one game under 500. They've only won one game on the road. They're going into a building where Dallas has not lost yet this season. I just don't feel like it's a good spot for Tennessee, despite the fact that they're going to come in well-rested off the bye. I'm on Dallas here all day. Let's take the Cowboys at home to beat Tennessee. On the line, Dallas favored by just under a touchdown in this game. Dallas minus the six and a half points. That line is another overreaction to the Amari Cooper trade, but I feel like it's one that could actually work out. I did originally feel like this was too many points. The Titans are also four and one against the spread this season as an underdog, but again, Dallas just hasn't lost at home yet this year. They play really well at home, both sides of the football. I actually kind of feel like Dallas is going to cover this one. So I'm going to go Dallas minus the six and a half points at home against the Titans. Total in the game is 41 points. I've got it capped well below this. So I'm going to stick under even though I like Dallas to cover. So Dallas wins the game straight up. We're going to hammer the Cowboys minus six and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 41 points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I'm six and two straight up this season, only three and five against the spread and three, four and one on the over under sees the Carolina Panthers at home taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks come into this game on the tail end of back to back road games. This is obviously a division matchup of the NFC South. Five and two Panthers, three and four Bucks. The Bucks lost last week. Panthers have won two consecutive games. They are 4-0 at home this season. They have lost their only division game so far this year. This is only division game number two. But again, Panthers have not been touched at home yet. They've been put in jeopardy a time or two. But look, ultimately, it's about winning the football game. I like the Panthers to do that this week, especially against a team that has struggled on the road. Fitzmagic has been named the starting quarterback for Week 9. But I raise my hand one more time and say... 
Fitzmagic has not happened against a good defense. Far be it for me to sound like a hater, but Fitzmagic has not happened against a good secondary all season. The best secondary Fitzpatrick has played is Philly, who are bottom half of the league versus the pass. Huge performances come against three of the bottom five ranked secondaries in the NFL. That being said, Fitzpatrick deserves to be rostered in every fantasy league out there. Baby lotion soft schedule from now until the end of the season. Down the stretch of the fantasy season, Fitzpatrick gets the Panthers twice, including this week, the Skins, the Giants, the Niners, and the Saints in week 14, which is week one of most fantasy football playoffs. None of them rank inside the top 15 in terms of fewest fantasy points against to quarterbacks. Get him rostered if possible. So, that's a long way of saying you can add Ryan Fitzpatrick in fantasy all you want, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to perform this week to the point that the Bucs would beat the Panthers. I'm going to take Carolina at home to beat Tampa Bay, especially considering what they literally just did to a much better football team at home last week. On the line, Panthers are favored by a full touchdown at home kind of feels like too many for me if Fitz magic is going to happen it could happen in terms of a backdoor cover of this number the bucks to their credit are 1-0 against the spread this season on the road as an underdog of this total the panthers have not covered at home as a favorite of this total they're 0-1 so far this season i just feel like it's too many points i think this is a relatively close division game so we're going to go with the bucks plus the seven points that might be a nice teaser candidate for you total in the game is set at 54 points i kind of cap it just a tiniest bit higher than this the two teams are combined 10 and 4 on the over under this season that's a pretty strong lean towards the over so let's go that way let's take over 54 points so Panthers win straight up at home against the Bucks, but I'm taking the Bucks plus seven against the spread a game that goes over 54 points that is your platinum pick all right, folks, those are your straight up against the spread and over under plays for week nine of the 2018 NFL season. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. And the comment of the week goes to the blind Canadian cat who I mentioned earlier, but it's not for the comment you think. His comment of the week is actually a response to another one of his comments from earlier in the week. So I'm just going to read them all. So basically, the blind Canadian cat here is talking about the Colts and Raiders, saying only reason Colts versus Raiders game goes over 50 is if the Colts drop 47 minimum. Spoilers, they didn't. They dropped 42. Raiders ain't scoring diddly squat. Spoilers, they did. They scored 28. No run game, and your pass catchers are a 40-year-old ex-Rogers boy toy and Wiz Khalifa's partner in quote-unquote crime. Under by a long shot, Feel free to roast me if I'm wrong. I'm not going to roast you, but I mean, the game got to 70 points. And I certainly didn't say it was going to get to 70, but I did feel like it was going to go over the point total. What was the point total again? Was it 50? 50 exactly? So, you know, I, I just I just felt like that game was going to go over because the defenses are not certain with Oakland really bad. And with Indy, you know, they're better than they used to be, I guess. So that's just kind of why I thought it was going to go over 50. I certainly didn't call 70. And I'm not exactly going to roast you for it, man. Although his response to it is really what gets me. It says, 
Oi, am I going to hear it next week? Well, you heard it a little bit, man, but it was at the very least, it, it comes from a place of love. Yours is the comment of the week from the week eight video. All right, folks, week nine episode is in the books, a little bit longer than I ex actually expected it to be, given that there were only 13 games, but let's see how short I can cut this bad boy down. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the great folks at NerdTees, nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFinest, saves 15% at checkout, free shipping in Canada over 50 bucks. It's a great deal. Christmas is coming. All kinds of great stuff on there. Enjoy the games in week nine, especially those couple of just what should be absolute offensive showcases in what has been an offensive season. Enjoy the games in week nine. We'll see you again in week 10. And we're just a couple of days away from Movember.